Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. My next guest is a giant in the field of venture capital and a new author. His name is Scott Cooper spelled K-U-P-O-R. The book is called Secrets of Sand Hill Road, Venture Capital and How to Get It. He's been at the VC firm of Andreessen Horowitz since it began in 2009, literally was employee number one, I learned from his book. He's the managing partner. He's overseen growth of this business to 150 employees and get this, $7 billion with a B in assets under management. Scott Cooper, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Michael. Great to be here. So I am totally out of my depth with you. Everything I know (laughs) about venture capital, I have learned from watching Shark Tank. Uh, okay. Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, now the book's there and I can reform all of your uh, bad habits that you've gotten from Shark Tank. But uh, Well, I've, uh, I've read the book and I, I must yeah. say you, it, 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 you presented it in bite-sized pieces so that even a knucklehead such as yours truly could understand. For example, here's what resonated with me. You said that Queen Isabella of Spain was arguably the first venture capitalist ever. How come? I think the audience will find that interesting. Yeah, no, if you think about kind of the initial expedition into the, uh, you know, to the, what became the U.S., 
Uh, that was a you know expedition likely to fail. Uh, it needed money to work. And uh, if it succeeded, you know, the odds, uh, the, the payout could be very high. And so think about Columbus's first expedition really as essentially an exercise in venture capital supported by, you know, as you said, the Queen of Spain. See, I'm, I'm like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. You remember? Yes, I do remember. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato, a BLT. That's how we explain the commodities market. What, what exactly <laughs> is Sand Hill Road? I mean, I, I know that it's like the Hollywood yeah. Boulevard uh, of, of the film industry, but explain it to the rest of us. Yeah, you're right. It's the Hollywood Boulevard or it's the Music Row if you're a country music fan. Basically, it's just literally a road in Menlo Park, California. That is where it happens to be all the venture capitalists are. So you could drive up and down the road and probably get funding for your company in uh, you know, less than an afternoon's of work. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really what, what's the most important part about it, quite frankly, is that it's literally adjacent to Stanford University. And it really just demonstrates uh, you know, kind of tight coupling between Stanford and the broader venture community. Uh, that's been a really, really important driver for the industry. Which is where you spent both your undergraduate and law school work. That is correct. So I I know from you that the five largest market capitalization companies, at least as of the book publication date, were all funded with venture capital. Facebook, Cisco, Apple, Amazon, Google, Netflix, Twitter, Intel, LinkedIn. But you say not all venture funded companies are technology. Yet that is the perception, I think, that many of us in the public have. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there are companies I mentioned in the in the book, for example, um, you know, uh, Blue Bottle Coffee, which some people may know, you know, is actually a venture-backed company. But in general, you're right, which is most of what venture capitalists are doing are technology companies. And that's partly because for many of these those types of companies, there aren't other forms of financing that make sense because the risk of these businesses is so high. You know, the, the, the likelihood of success is extremely low. And so venture really is most appropriate for those types of opportunities where you've got the potential for a very big payoff, but quite frankly, you know, a very low probability of success. And why do so many of those businesses aggregate? Is it because of Stanford? But why are so so many of them in Silicon Valley? Yeah, I think what's happened, you know, there are other markets, of course. So New York and Boston have grown. Uh, and we've started to see pockets of like Austin and uh, Research Triangle Park and L.A. now is growing. I think that what explains it, though, is a little bit what we call a network effect, which is kind of the more people you have in an industry, the more valuable, you know, kind of each participant in the network brings to that, to that network. So, you know, over 70 years here in Silicon Valley, we've got lawyers and accountants and financiers and engineers and, you know, all the kind of, you know, uh, markings that you need to kind of try and make these companies successful. Scott Cooper is the managing partner and Andreessen Horowitz, author now of Secrets of Sand Hill Road. Here's another of my naive questions. What's wrong with a bank? What is it that you can do that a bank cannot do? Yeah, it mostly goes to, there's really two foundational issues. One is just that banks probably won't touch things that have the risk profile that we do. So most of our companies are going to lose money for a long period of time. In fact, you know, as you've seen from some of the IPOs, some of them are still losing money even when they go public. And banks just aren't used to that kind of risk. The second also is, you know, the difference between what a bank does is they give you debt, right? And debt is nice, but the problem is you have to pay it back at some point in time. So just when you want to kind of invest the profits of your business, the idea of having to pay it back doesn't make sense. We invest in what's called equity, which is basically permanent capital in the business. So, you know, we hope that that equity grows over time. But regardless, the entrepreneur doesn't have to pay us back if it turns out the business doesn't work. And where are you getting the money that you give the entrepreneur, and what kind of a return are those investors of yours looking for? 
Yeah, so most of the people where we get the money from are like university endowments. So, uh, you know, a Stanford University or Yale University trying to invest on behalf of their university, uh, often public foundations like the Ford Foundation is a, is a big contributor to venture. What they're looking for is very large outsized return. So, it, you know, what they would be happy with is if you can consistently deliver them, call it 25 or 30 percent annualized returns. And if you think about that compared to the stock market, you know, on any given year, that probably means you're beating the stock market by at least, you know, 15 points. Uh, that's basically kind of the bar that they would like to see us achieve for them. Do you think that we reach a point, this is a little off the beaten path of your book, but you put the idea in my head with what you wrote about Yale and Stanford and things that I've, I've, I've seen you say in interviews online. Are we going to reach a point where one of these institutions, because of the size of their endowment, will say, we will no longer charge tuition to anyone who comes to this school? I think they're I think they're trying to right, and you've seen you know I think a couple areas like at Hopkins Medical School we've seen you know those types of things. I think NYU also medical school has that. I think they'd like to. Today the reality is uh, those endowments provide about a third of the operating expenses for the university, so we've got a long way to go. I think in terms of the endowments' ability to cover that, but I think they would I think they'd like to be able to do that. And I think quite frankly there's you know pressure in many cases, you know given their tax free status for them to make sure that they're doing good with that money. So does your firm spend more time looking at deals or managing those in which you've already invested? Uh, it's definitely a little bit of both, but, but probably looking at deals is probably the bigger piece because uh, we're still relatively early in our career. We're about 10 years in, and so we're mostly you know, net buyers here as opposed to net sellers. We see probably 2,000, 2,500 deals a year and probably end up investing in 1% or 2% of them, so that certainly takes up a lot of our time. How do I get an audience with you? Yeah, look, I think the best way to do it is, uh, number one, is um, if you can find somebody who you know, can kind of make a warm introduction, that's helpful. Uh, but also, we're trying to do a better job of recognizing that there are networks, quite frankly, that have been historically just not uh, had great access into venture. And so, uh, you know, throw something over the transom if that's your only option or, uh, you know, come to an event that we host. But there's certainly lots of creative ways, I think, to get in front of VCs. And are you looking, are you looking only at numbers or are you acting on instinct as well? Yeah, no, and we talk about this in the book a lot. At the early stage, quite frankly, the numbers are meaningless. It's a bit of a spreadsheet exercise, right? And we, we know we can all make the spreadsheet say whatever we want. Most of what we're looking at, quite frankly, is the team. So once we're convinced that the market is interesting, then the real question is, why do we back this team versus any other team that might go after that opportunity? And so it's really much more of a qualitative evaluation of leadership skills and ability to tell a story, uh, kind of ability to kind of get people to march behind you. So that's most of what the evaluation tends to be at the early stage. Actors uh, often get asked, so what role did you pass on? Are there companies? I, I know that Airbnb came through your door and Pinterest came through your door and, and you facilitated those deals. Is that fair to say? That's correct. Yeah, we're, we're very happy shareholders of both those companies. But, uh, you know, a big one that we missed was uh, the company Square that Jack Dorsey runs. We saw that one at the very early stage and unfortunately made a mistake in, in not choosing to back it. But, you know, that's unfortunately part of this business is you kind of make, you know, mistakes of omission where you miss a big one. And, you know, we also make a lot of mistakes of commission where, quite frankly, we invest in things that don't work out. But, you know, that's unfortunately just the nature of this business. And you get an Airbnb, you get a Pinterest, and uh, that makes up for a lot of those other companies. When they come to Andreessen Horowitz, are they only dealing with one VC firm at a time or are they working the street, Sand Hill Road? Oh, yeah. No, the entrepreneurs are very sophisticated. So there's there's no such thing as sole source deals anymore. Uh, it's a very competitive industry. And the big change that's happened in this business over the last 10 to 15 years is there is just a lot of capital out there, as your listeners probably know. And so 
uh, competition is by far about as, as tough as it's been. So every time we're competing for a deal, we assume, and it's often the case, that they're talking to three, four, five other people, and we've got to demonstrate why you know, our value is different from somebody else's. Well, you, you say in the book that not only, not only is capital available these days, but you say that the industry is so much more crowded than when you first got into it. Where is the new money coming from? Yeah, there's kind of two places where it's coming. So one is on the very early end, what we call seed capital, which might be a half million, million dollars. I think over the last 10 years, there's been about 500 new firms that have been formed in, the kind of, in that space. So that's a huge area of competition. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum in the later stage market, where you're talking about you know, $100 million type fundraisings, there's been a massive amount of money. What's basically happened is Money that used to go into the public markets for IPOs has now come into the private markets to do these large rounds. And so that will come from, you know, somebody like a SoftBank, which has a $100 billion fund. It will come from sovereign wealth funds, which are basically kind of, you know, entities of, you know, foreign governments that are supporting pensions for their, uh, for their uh, people. And if you look at the numbers last year, about 70% of the capital that was, that was uh, invested in the business came from $100 million plus rounds. So that's a huge sea change from what we saw even 10 years ago. The goal is to get to a term sheet, but I learned from Scott Cooper that, boy, you better make sure you strike the right bargain if you should be so fortunate as to have one offered to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, You know, we all like to talk about kind of the very fun stuff in the term sheet, which is the valuation. And of course, that's always fun and sexy to talk about money. But what we try to articulate in the book is that there's a whole other series of economic issues and even kind of governance, right? Who gets a say in what the company does? And uh, it's those types of things that actually can kind of, you know, come to be incredibly important as you build a company over time. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. 
Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. So what, I, what I'm most curious in, if I can go go back to where I began, my, my yep. uh, Shark Tank analogy, <laughs> you have seen countless entrepreneurs over the year, right? The people who come in, yep. they, they want to they raise money, they want you to write the check, et cetera. What, what is the, the quality, the characteristic of those who are successful? Is there a way that you can articulate those that, that have the right stuff, you know, in addition to having a business proposal that seems to make sense? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you kind of two quick stories on this. Uh, when we raised our first fund, we had a we had a chart exactly like that, which is what are the types of entrepreneurs we want to back, and right. we had a word there which was egomaniacal. And uh, as you can imagine, some of our limited partners were a little bit taken aback by that. But if you kind of forget about the choice of word, which may not have been the best, what that really points to is people who are incredibly confident in their abilities, that they are basically willing to walk through walls and not be swayed by people who will tell them that their idea doesn't make sense. We know that the likelihood of success is really low in this business, and you have to have that kind of personality of saying, hey, look, I'm going to push forward no matter what the obstacles might be. So that's a critical piece. And then the second big piece is we talk about storytelling a lot, right? And I mean that in a positive way, which is kind of how do you tell a compelling vision that causes people to quit their jobs and come work for you or that causes customers to take a risk on you? It's that kind of intangible, which I think really sets apart the the great entrepreneurs from the good ones. And is the goal on your part to change the world for the better or make money or try and make money? And if you can change the world for the better, well, that would be a nice Benny. Yeah, I think it's exactly uh, it's, it's, it's what you said at the end there, which is, look, our main goal, for better or worse, is our limited partners are relying on us to generate the kinds of returns that we talked about earlier in the segment. Uh, but in doing so, look, I think we can also do good for the world. We do a bunch, for example, of investing in life sciences companies. And the kinds of things these companies are doing, you know, trying to find early diagnostic tests for cancer or even cures for cancer or aging or other big diseases, you know, I think we can make money and also actually improve, uh, improve the world. I, uh, what I'm most excited about in terms of the, the, the climate in which we live are these disruptive market forces. We referenced Airbnb. 
yeah. Uber, Uber and Lyft, they fascinate me. You know, the idea that that we're, we are going to have this sea change in how we approach transportation and it's going to rely upon people in many cases driving in their own cars or now these scooters that are all the rage across the, the country where, you know, we rely on entrepreneurs who are going to go out and do the repairs or going to take them home and charge them. I guess my point is entrepreneurship seems to be alive and well, at least on Sand Hill Road. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is, actually. And we're, uh, we're an investor in some of those companies. Lyft's a company of ours, uh, Lime, which is one of the scooter companies. Yes, I just rode and, a Lime. Uh, I rode a Lime oh, in Washington, right. D.C. a week ago. Uh, how was it? You had a fun time? I loved it, and I, I, I host a program on, on CNN, and I did a, a segment on my experience with the scooters, um, and it got an enormous reaction. People really are passionate. By the way, pro and con, because some yeah. don't like them left in their front yard. Yeah, I can imagine that. But, yeah, look, I think the meta point you make is right, which is, look, if you're, you spend a day on Sand Hill Road or you spend a day in you know, kind of New York or Boston or L.A., and it's hard not to be just incredibly optimistic about the, what the future can be for our country because you've got these amazingly inventive entrepreneurs who are all day long coming up with new ideas. I mean, who would have thought that the iPhone, uh, you know, which was supposed to be a communications device, would basically spawn industries like Lyft and Airbnb and Lime and all this other stuff? Amazing. I mean, yep. You couldn't have done those without without that technology. And that's look, that's that's what we live on and thrive on. And, uh, you know, we're incredibly optimistic about the future. I learned things in your book. I hope you can tell from my tone that I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's called Sand Hill Road Venture Capital and How to Get It. By the way, Scott, I've got a few ideas I'd like to pitch to you later, okay? I would love to hear them, Michael. <laughs> Thank you. That's Scott Cooper, The Secrets of Sand Hill Road. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.